0: Greetings, adventures, and welcome to GNGG Cast.
1: Welcome, everyone, to Good Night and Good Game, your geek news roundup for the week that was. I'm your host, James, and with me this week, as always, is my co-host, Hector. Hello. And this week on the show after the news, it's time to get crazy and talk about Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Before we start, don't forget that you can head over to goodnight.gg, where, as a patron of our show, you can suggest topics for us to talk about. With all that out of the way, it's time for The Prelude.
0: Prelude.
1: Hey everyone, welcome to The Prelude. It's time to dive into what we've been up to this week, what we've been playing, what we've been watching, what's been occupying our free time, and what has been making us happy. Hector, what have you got for me this week?
0: Uh, Let's see. Um, Video game is much the same as last week. I've been playing a lot of V Rising. We're going to talk about that later. Oh yeah, it is very, very good. V Rising is great. Um, Also, you know, I've gotten back into Fall Guys with a couple of my friends lately. Yeah, kind of like, it's it's so weird to have nostalgia for the beginning
1: of the pandemic. (laughs) Right. Right, right.
0: Oh, excuse me, but... Um,
1: back we just were so hopeful that things would well, be yeah, over yeah, back soon. then we
0: thought, oh, we'll be out of this any month now. Yeah, probably by May we'll all be, you know, right for summer. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we all just huddled inside and, you know, roasted marshmallows and played fall guys. And, and that's nice. That's yeah. A, that's a lot of fun. And, you know, and, and so we're doing it now because the world is a much darker place than it was <laughs> in 2020 somehow. And, yep. uh, yeah, we just hang out and... Uh, Play fall guys and compare skins and yeah. look at all the new levels. I know
1: the, I know you and I have been talking outside of the show. We're, we are thinking about bringing it back to like couch co-op. No, no, this that. is
0: something I absolutely want to do. And yeah. if any of you are capable of that, bring back, bring couch co-op back into your life. Yeah. If you have a console a, a, of any kind, even a PC, you can do this. You are capable. Bring mm-hmm. your friends over, have a drink,
1: have a meal, yeah. maybe just some snacks and play
0: fucking, you know, streets of rage or something.
1: Yeah. What else did you do this week?
0: Uh, let's see. Oh, um, HBO put out a truly, truly fantastic documentary on George Carlin. Yes. Um, I've only seen the first half. Okay. Um, because it's a two parter mm-hmm. and it goes deep, 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 deep. Mm-hmm. It is easy to forget when he started comedy. Because TV was in black and white and you couldn't swear under pain of law on television. Yep, And that's where he got to start. And uh, the, 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 uh, the, the documentary goes into the fact that he is one of one of the only comedians in history, at least one of the only American comedians in history mm. to be entirely self-taught.
1: Okay, wow, that's uh, really yeah. impressive
0: Yeah, because, I mean, he didn't come from any kind of comedy background He just had very opinionated, very outspoken parents, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know And uh, it just kind of rubbed off on him And he decided he loved being on stage And he mm-hmm. loved, you know, uh, having attention And that's what he did with his wife And it goes into his family and his daughter And every, like, five seconds There's a new comedian that they're interviewing <laughs> about George Carlin Talking about how he was their god
1: Yeah yeah, so for me, George Carlin was a big part of growing up, and I was very young. Um, I really wanted to be a stand-up comedian, and really is because I spent a lot of time watching uh, in my grandmother's house a lot of late-night HBO, and George Carlin was a staple of late-night oh, HBO. Yeah. And I was a kid who like obsessively watched it, and like it was a it was like a party joke for my family that they could get me to say the seven words you can't say on TV, mm-hmm. and like most parents would be like, "Well, you shouldn't be saying those," but it was like a party trick. It was like, "Ah, get Jamie to say the thing." It was like that—that's what it was. For them, um, and so I just from an early age gravitated towards stand up comedy, and I mm-hmm. would always sit in the shower as a kid, and even as an adult, thinking about like, what would my set look like? What would it sound like? What would I talk about in this in this day and age? Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's always in the back of my mind. It's one of those things I've always wanted to do, like a like a just a walk in night at a comedy club, not not tell anybody my friends, nothing, right. just a, for me go in, do a five yeah. minute set, see if I can do anything with it, and call it a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but Carlin was my uh, my first influence for that. It was watching him just talk about life and and observations of the things around him Mm -hmm. and and,
0: and how, and how it was fucked up Yeah, and and how we could do better. Yeah. And the, the, the absurdities that he had a a habit of pointing out. Anyway, I'm going to watch the second half, probably tonight. Uh, one of my favorite comedians of all time, Mm -hmm. big, big thing for me, um, other than that, uh, yeah, no, no, nothing really to report. I started watching Forged in Fire of all oh, things. Oh, yeah,
1: there you go. That's a fun thing.
0: Yeah, that, that, that's a good one. Um, but yeah, no, not much uh, entertainment this week aside from like lots of video games. We've been playing some more Overwatch. Yeah. You know, that's what I'm occupying myself we're,
1: with. We're back on Overwatch 1 for a little bit. Yeah, unfortunately. You're, you're, you're putting up with Overwatch 1 for me and I appreciate that about you. Oh, yeah, absolutely, Because you're so not ready to play Overwatch 1 anymore and no, I'm like. No, but, but I, you know,
0: sometimes you got to back up your homie when he's trying to, you know, get his loot box yeah there's nothing, that's, there's nothing wrong with
1: that i appreciate that not a whole lot for me either i'm still working on the record of lotus war game on the switch um it's a nice comfort food it's games like symphony of the night um just make me really happy and give me comfort suit mm-hmm. like, like comfort food vibes um he says while he is wearing a castlevania shirt on air <laughs> um and so i've been having a lot of fun with the record of lotus war um i've been watching a lot of youtube as i normally do um One thing I have been doing is a comfort food thing is I, whenever I've had a rough week or just things are kind of, kind of tough all around, um, Marvel shows tend to be a comfort food for me Mm -hmm. or Marvel movies or something. I'll just put one on and I'm really happy about it, especially like during the holidays, I'll put on like Iron Man three or, you know, any of that kind of stuff. But in this week, instead of going down the rabbit hole of rewatching things that I'd already rewatched, um, I put on something that I've been very behind on which is the Disney Plus series uh, Marvel Assembled
0: oh I love that series
1: and if you haven't seen it Marvel Assembled is kind of a behind the scenes series the first six episodes are kind of done as like one uh, series block mm-hmm. and then the other ones are one off episodes so it may come up funky in your search results when you go to go to find it um, and yeah I was really behind I watched the one on uh, Black Widow I watched the one on Shang-Chi I watched the one on uh, uh, Hawkeye which is fantastic Oh, yeah. One of the I wanted to bring this up is that I know that not a lot of people had a very high opinion of the Eternals. Mm-hmm. And we did walk away from it going like, you know, it was a really beautiful movie. I just don't know if I really loved it. Right.
0: Right. Like I don't feel I, I didn't feel a need to like Tell anyone about it or watch it ever
1: again, right? You know, and I will say that even if you even thought a little bit of like, oh, at least the movie's pretty. Going back and watching the assembled on the Eternals is a really beautiful thing, actually, mm-hmm. because the way that the writers and directors and and all the artists behind this movie talk about this movie, you could tell. It was ambitious. And I will give it that. I will mm-hmm. use the word ambitious when you talk about the Eternals. Oh, yeah. And it had the biggest potential to fail. And in a lot of people's eyes, it did fail. Mm-hmm. But I think that the things that it did succeed in, it succeeded in beautifully. You know, like crash and burn beautifully if you're going to do it. Yeah, and that's absolutely. what the Eternals did. Mm-hmm. And I think that, as honestly, it wasn't a movie that I was wanting to really go back and rewatch. I think after watching Assembled, I would like to give it a second pass.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And that that is definitely the feeling I walked away from too. And you're absolutely right, because there was so much writing on The Eternals. Like if you're gonna introduce a brand new large ensemble cast and you don't have James Gunn. Right. Uh you know, then and you're not and your theme isn't family and the movie isn't funny, how are you gonna make us care about these characters? And it turns yeah. out it's very, very hard. Even though they are all acting their asses off and doing very well, it was Hard to get to know the characters over the course of the film, yeah. and it was even harder to care about them once you get the revelation at the end of the movie. Yep. So I think that was the aspect of the movie that that didn't work. But like everything from like the actors to the costuming to the the the, the imagination and all of the like interesting eons old technology mm-hmm. and you know stuff like that. The way all of their powers worked, the way all of their, you know, relationships worked was was really, really cool. Yeah. I just, you know, do I wish I liked the movie more? Yeah, but, you know.
1: And I've watched a lot of YouTubers talk about The Eternals, Mm -hmm. and a lot of them didn't come out and blatantly just, like, shit on the movie. Mm -hmm. One of the more common consensuses about the movie is, y'all, if you've read the comics, The Eternals is hard to adapt. Mm -hmm. Because it's not necessarily a great comic. Right. And so it isn't really the fault of... Anything other than kind of the source material, mm-hmm. even with Gaiman working on like a, an entire book of the Eternals, like it is a rich, history this is jack kirby trying to inject philosophy and re- religion and like all these like really interesting new age concepts into a book that was really kind of meant for somebody who was like really stoned and yeah. like wanted to read something cosmic
0: yeah and the final point i'll say on the eternals is let's re- let's all remember what it wasn't when it came out nobody outright made fun of it nobody said it's morbid time about right, the eternals. Right, You exactly. know, there, there, there was it didn't get memed on people were just like Huh. When they walked out and realized that they probably weren't gonna have a watch party at home in three months when it came right. out on Disney Plus, and that left them disappointed. Yeah. And if that's a low mark for a Disney show for a Disney uh, for a Marvel movie, then okay. I- I'm I'm alright with that.
1: I still but, better than the Dark
0: World. Absolutely. But to but but to bring the point back around to the Assembled series, mm. I-, I just wanna say really quick that there's a dirty little secret in Disney that they love, fucking loved making DVD and Blu-ray extra features so mm-hmm. much that they still do them for all their major animated movies, all their major studio movies, and they don't fucking have to. Mm-hmm. They do, They will make you an hour-long look at the director and the actors and get comments from them, show you how certain stunts are done, but more so show you what the what everyone on set is thinking mm-hmm. while they're making the movies you love. They do it for everything. They do it for... You know, there's the Book of Boba Fett's there, you know. I still need to watch that one. Yeah, that one's wonderful. All of the Marvel... Most of the Marvel movies are there. Every mm. MCU show that has been on Disney+, Plus, there's one for all of those. Yeah. Um. There's there's one... And I've talked about it a few times because I think they went really overboard. But there's one for Frozen 2 that's twice as long as the actual movie. Wow. I don't know. There's someone... Some YouTube video essay has got in charge of that project. Mm. But, like... It's great, and I watched the whole thing more than
1: one. I will say and by the way before you go into assembled thinking it's Mm -hmm. going to be just like an hour of them like dick stroking the movie which I mean it is it isn't like talking Mm -hmm. about the the craft and their art they're also willing to like talk about the 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 dirty things Mm -hmm. Um, in Shang-Chi they start off being like so right this came from a really racist comic Yep. and like they just they call it as it is and they said but but the question was how do we fix it how do we make it modern how do we make it not racist how do Mm -hmm. we do these things and I think that because they're willing to say the bad it makes the good feel a little bit better because at least they're self-aware of the bad.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it was like, um, and Disney has been slowly figuring out how to, how to talk about this in a way that is socially acceptable for everybody. And they've honestly put more effort than I've seen a lot of companies do into actually striving to go in that direction yeah. with everything they do. I mean, cause they, they hit it out of the park with black Panther because the first comic they decided to adapt for a black superhero was written by somebody who was fucking trying to do that, yeah. not someone who was like making a stereotype out of like an old American like stereotype of something from a long time ago. Like yeah. they were like like they were very centric about it. Um, so yeah, th- this one took a little bit of explanation, but uh, th- th- they do do well with those things. At least they have been lately.
1: Yeah, fingers crossed it keeps going that direction. Yeah. All right, that is everything that we have for the prelude this week. We're going to take a small break, and when we come in on the other side, we'll be going to the news in the weekly raid the weekly raid hey everyone this is the weekly raid our news highlights for the week a new horror ip was announced this week called winnie the pooh blood and honey no story elements have been released to the public but what we do know is it is a horror retelling of the legend of winnie the pooh note winnie the pooh did enter public domain over the last year making this film possible
0: God bless public domain. Right? I love that this is the first, like, thing we're doing with Winnie the Pooh. Is
1: grabbing something that was notoriously Disney and turning it horror?
0: Yeah.
1: Because Disney has, hands down, tried to prevent... Ips from getting, but, that,
0: but that's so good. Like, think of all the things Winnie, Pooh can, Winnie the Pooh can do now. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. People have talked for years. Probably, it was probably the millennials that first pointed out that like all of the characters in Winnie the Pooh are a certain like form of like mental health disorder. Yeah. on behalf of Christopher Robin, mm-hmm. and I would love to see that explored further. Mm-hmm. I, I would watch an entire series on that. Probably something very Paddington Bear like. I, mm-hmm. I would love that. That sounds great. But,
1: um, yeah. By the way, there are images of this out there. If you just, like, literally Google, like, Winnie the Pooh horror movie, there's some pretty oh, yeah. terrifying images of it that already exist right Get now. Get ready so. to,
0: to give people around you nightmares.
1: Yeah uh daredevil is coming back to disney plus according to variety matt corman and chris ord are going to write and executive produce a new series for disney plus the pair have worked on shows together like the enemy within and the brave we also got confirmation this week that Kristen ritter will be playing jessica jones but for an unconfirmed project for the mcu
0: awesome this is everything I wanted. Just all these things? Yeah, just just give me these things. Disney, you're doing it right. Keep, I, keep doing it. I feel
1: like I'm just waiting for the Luke Cage announcement.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, they, they can't do these two and not do Luke Cage. The, the only one they're allowed to leave out is Iron Fist. Yeah. And if they do, I'll never stop laughing because they looked at it and went... Uh, I don't even want to try to fix that.
1: Yeah, that's very true. So, so question though: mm-hmm. Do you think they are going to try and continue from the Netflix series because it is on uh, See, I'm not Disney sure Plus? Sure, because
0: they're, they're they're going to use our Matt Murdock. They're they're right. definitely keeping you know our Kingpin, right? They're obviously keeping Kristen Ritter. Yep. So, I mean, I I hope so, but at the same time, I don't. Those shows have a lot of baggage. And it would be very interesting to see them pick up Daredevil without baggage. It's also hard because I don't know where Foggy and Karen are and all Mm of this, right? And that... That would be difficult. I don't know if
1: you've seen or read Daredevil, but Daredevil's got a lot of baggage no matter what format he's in.
0: Right, <laughs> of course. So, like, I, I, it all depends. They could go anywhere with it. If they got the other two actors back, then I would absolutely love to see them continue it. Right. And, like, everyone knows who everyone is and everyone can just fucking chill. They have a direct line to Radar- Rosario Dawson's phone. She's in the volume filming Star Wars. Yep. So, like, she can come over anytime.
1: Mm-hmm. Hey, we uh, need a, a quick scene. Just yeah. Hop well, we her. need
0: some Night Nurse cameo. Could you please take off all? the twilight shit and come in here real quick there
1: you go yep (laughs) it'll be fantastic
0: yeah no i i can't i can't um i'm really really looking forward to it i mean they should learn all the lessons you know the the seasons need to be shorter stories need to be more concise but they learned these lessons a long time ago this is good
1: Okay. Uh, in the past, we've mentioned that God of War is going to be getting an adaptation over at Amazon. We now know that Horizon, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, that, that game series, mm-hmm. will be coming to Netflix and that a Gran Turismo show has been greenlit for an unannounced platform. This is on top of the Last of Us series already in development, as well as, as well as the Twisted Metal series coming to Peacock. Right now, it seems Sony is really hitting the big and small screens hard with their IPs. Okay. So... Do you have feelings?
0: My my two biggest feelings might be the most obvious.
1: Okay. What are your feelings?
0: Why are we making two television shows about video games that are about cars? Okay. How...
1: So you're specifically talking about Gran Turismo Turismo and and, Twisted Metal. Metal. Maybe,
0: maybe, maybe we could inject a bunch of, like... Personal lore into the twisted metal universe, and try and do some kind of Mad Max thing,
1: which this I think sounds- that's what they're probably doing because Anthony Mackie signed on for that.
0: Right. This sounds to me like I mean I really do miss Blood Drive. If they made mm-hmm. like a twisted metal show in the theme of Blood Drive, yes, hundred percent in. Blood yep. Drive was a show. Um, God, was it on Showtime? I forget, it was one of the last trashy shows ever made, like, like straight up trash, like they were trying to, like like, like a little bit of gore, Sam Raimi style, titties everywhere, tons of sex appeal, fast cars, and the whole point of the show was that the cars-
1: It was a grindhouse were, feature, Yeah, it was grindhouse, it? very much grindhouse.
0: Yeah. So the cars they were driving, cross country in a race to the death, where only the winning race team gets to live, and all the cars are powered by actual human blood.
1: Okay. Yeah. yeah.
0: So that was a great show. And if we can do something like that with Twisted Metal, that sounds fun. How do we make a show about Gran Turismo? Please I don't tell know. Me I'll wait.
1: That is weird. That yeah. is a weird choice to me because it's like.
0: The, the, the most interpersonal part of the Gran Turismo game is the menu screen where you see your garage yeah. and the little French cafe and all your cars, and yeah. the next race you're going to go to. Yeah. There's there no people in it. There's no people in the game. Mm-hmm. Except for, like, sports, cele- uh, like racing celebrities or racing announcers.
1: Yeah, and, 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 and like, if you're wanting stats. to say, like, oh, well, we'll make it, like, you know... I mean, because Gran Turismo always takes place on, like, the big mega tracks and everything, uh, Yeah, right? like, all the real stuff, Like, right? if you're telling me, like, you want to do something street racing-wise, I'm like, then I want initial D. Yeah. I don't want Gran Turismo. No, and if it's about, know?
0: like like, racing real cars on, like... Real tracks in the world the way they really do in competition. I, I guess you could make that compelling, but not for a whole TV show? Like, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know. I guess
1: it's like, what is your demographic here? Is it video gamers or is it people that are just really into Gran Turismo who are yeah. usually really into cars? I don't know. It may just not be the show for us.
0: It could be. It could be. It could be like like, the, like FIFA games, you know, the people, they love watching FIFA, they love playing FIFA. Yeah. It's their whole thing and they dig it. Maybe there are people who love watching car races and love playing car races and now mm-hmm. they're going to get to watch a whole show about it. I just I've, I've never known the Gran Turismo audience to be that big, but it's just because I don't hang out with any.
1: That's true. Uh, Speaking of Sony first party titles, it was announced today that the PlayStation 5 exclusive Returnal will be coming to PC via a Steam listing for it. Fuck yeah. This makes sense as Sony is projected to make about $300 million from PC releases alone this year.
0: Good on you. Keep doing this. Do it more, do it with everything.
1: I mean, the numbers don't lie, right? No, I they
0: mean, don't. The- and Yeah, and, and it's been long enough. We need Ghost of Tsushima and PC. Yep. We need, I mean, we already have God of War. Um, we need that and then Horizon Forbidden West. Like Bloodborne? Like Blood
1: yeah,
0: well, Bloodborne, obviously. Let's keep cranking them out. Blue, Blue Point is working on them. Don't, right, don't worry about right. it. They, they, they've got that. I, I, I pray that they just have that in the works. We may know more by the end of the year.
1: That is very true. Last week, Hector briefly talked about the vampire survival game, V Rising. I did. That just entered early access. Last week? Stunlock Studios, the developer behind V Rising, said that while it has only briefly been out, the game has racked up over 500,000 units sold on Steam in just three days. Yeah. And this is before the 1.0 release of the game. Mm -hmm. And there have been over 100,000 concurrent players to have been reported playing during peak hours.
0: So that was in the first three days. We are currently up over a million sales.
1: Wow. I did not have that in my notes.
0: Yeah. It is wild how much this game took off mm-hmm. and I have to say it deserves it this is the most feature complete early access game I've ever played okay. if I got to the end of this game and it just kept going the way that it, it has been so far mm-hmm. um, I, I would probably consider it a complete game with like True. The, the only bug I've noticed so far is a thing in the menu where sometimes it forgets the, the new skills that you've already see, seen and, and just like re-highlights them as new It's literally the only bug I've seen in the game. Mm. And this is a game where you have this entire map and you're collecting resources from everything around you, trees, rocks, Mm. grass, animals, and you're building things in a grid on the entire world. And Mm. it works on a server where other people are building things all around you all the time. Yeah where people can crash into the things you're building and destroy them and take them out. And there are rules as to whether or not the sun comes through on things based on how built they are. Mm-hmm. This is a complex system with a ton of overlapping parts with up to, like, 30 to 60 people on a server at the same time, and it's nearly entirely bug-free for me so far. Yeah. That is wildly impressive. And not- I'm, I'm going to say it again. Like The, the, the thing that this game does does is it scratches the itch that battle right scratched but also just makes me really miss battle (laughs)
1: right I will say that not the Twitter is an indication of anything great um, but I have been seeing you know tons of content creators on Twitter just being like hey I'm thinking about starting like a v rising server like who wants to join Mm -hmm. in for it and just like the fact that that conversation is happening so naturally Mm -hmm. um, on Twitter is like that's a pretty cool thing that's a that's a sign of like the the health of a game is Mm -hmm. is that kind of conversation that's being had
0: yeah one of the first things that a co uh, a, a very very popular Twitch streamer that uh, I follow and like to watch from time to time as soon as the game came out he jumped in he started up his uh, coalition server which is what he calls his fans mm-hmm. and um, they all just jumped in and started building stuff in little like four person clans and yeah. you know they could fight each other the PvP was open but a lot of them didn't they just helped and asked what other people needed and dropped it for them and when there's a rare drop in the world which is there Anyone can get it. And if the person who gets it doesn't need it because they already have it, they would just shout it out. Yo, right here on the map. Here's the thing. Come get it. Whoever wants it. Like people are being genuinely cool with each other. Mm -hmm. I have a few times been just running up the road and a vampire twice my level will run by me going somewhere else. And he looks at us, and he looks where we're going. He knows exactly the boss we're about to fight. And he goes, hey, good luck in there. And then just keeps going. Wow. Yeah, he could have killed us immediately and taken everything we had on us. And mm. instead he was like, hey, good luck in there. And he just wow took off down the road to where he was going. It's good times, y'all. V Rising is a wonderful game, and I can't recommend it enough.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to pick it up. It, definitely, it sounds like so much fun. <sighs> so, Norman Reedus, star of... I don't know, a lot of stuff? Yeah, he's, he's, been, in he's, been, he's been in a few things. He's been a
0: few things. He seems, you know, a moderately
1: popular. Moderately popular <laughs> gentleman. Uh, but more importantly, he was the star of the uh, Hideo, sorry Hideo Kojima masterpiece, Death Stranding. Mm-hmm. Let it slip in an interview this week that they were working on a sequel. Mm-hmm. Uh, shortly after, Kojima jokingly tweeted that Norman Reedus needs to, quote, go back to your private room, my friend, mm-hmm. with a thumbs up and heart eyes emojis, as well as pictures of the two of them together and a picture of Kojima holding the infamous Negan back from The Walking Dead
0: yeah so uh so, so basically what happened in this interview is, is, is Norman Reed has completely volunteered information that he did not have to no one asked him are you working on a, on a on a on another Death Stranding game yeah no one even thought to ask him that they were literally talking to him about the wrap-up of The Walking Dead mm-hmm. and all of that and then someone mentioned Death Stranding and it pops into his mind like he's talking to his best friend and he goes oh yeah we're working on a second one yep yeah. Like, just like that. And there's something kind of wholesome about that. It's true. Like, because we, like, news just doesn't get dropped that way anymore, mm. and it's just so much fun. And the fact that Kojima was like, "Ah, oh, shut up.
1: Yeah, <laughs> like, like, bro, it's not even close to being ready yet. Like, please yeah, do not like look this Yeah, like, people
0: are going to ask me for a screenshot, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send the request to you. <laughs>
1: right, exactly. Yeah, I love everything about this. Obviously, Death Stranding was my game of the year the year it came out. Mm-hmm. It's one of my obsessions. Um, I'm really into the lore. I will watch an eight-hour video about Death Stranding to fall oh, asleep yeah. any day of the week because it's so fantastic. Um, very underappreciated. I'm glad that it got a second life when it came to PC and oh, when the, yeah. the director's cut came out. I think that with more people getting into it now, I think there's a real good possibility possibility that's going to sell even better when the sequel comes out and i'm really happy for kojima for that mm-hmm. what i am hoping though is is somebody who is really interested in a new death stranding game is that he is not just resting on his laurels and just making another death stranding game oh, yeah i really do hope that he's gotten enough revenue into his his studio that he has another project that he's quietly working on on the side whether it be a new ip or i don't know fucking silent hill or whatever the fanboys are mm-hmm. obsessed about these days um that he can get this other title made as well. I think that oh, yeah. he has the potential to really branch out and turn his studio into a multiple IP being developed at one studio. I just don't know how feasible that is for him right now since right, we've only had... Right, because the studio
0: to... is still growing and, right. it, and it is kind of small. All I can say, I'll say two things. One, if anyone is concerned that Death Stranding 2 would just be more Death Stranding, Death Stranding 1, just um, look at the difference between Metal Gear Solid 1 and 2. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, it's true. You will know the exact difference you will get yep. with this next game. Mm-hmm. Second thing that it, say is, and this is entirely speculation, and it's not even a rumor. I This is headcanon on my part. But just imagine Death Stranding 2 looking like Horizon Forbidden West. Mm.
1: You I mean, know, it same, could be. Same,
0: same Guerrilla Games engine? It's true. Like, updated for a PS5?
1: Yep. Could be sexy, y'all.
0: Yeah. I, I, I'm excited just for the idea of that. And I don't usually geek out over stuff like <laughs> that, but that would be awesome.
1: According to several sources, EA is looking to pursue a sale or a merger and has held talks with a lot of companies such as Disney, Amazon, NBC, and more over a possible deal. In a time where many game companies are positioning themselves to be bought, this could be one of the largest deals ever if someone decides to follow through with it. Yeah. So if you're not in the know, EA is a huge publisher and they have a lot of companies under them. Many, many very valuable IPs. I mean, just off the top of your head, we're talking about things like the Madden series, the FIFA series, and that's just sports. We're not even talking about the everything else of it all.
0: Yeah, the Electronic Arts is responsible for, I mean, well, a lot of Bioware stuff, Mm -hmm. whether it's in the past and it was very good, like Mass Effect, or whether it's, Anthem, respawn. any of that. Yeah. They have respawn entertainment. They have, um, I mean, Mirror's Edge is an EA property. Like, like there's God. a lot of good right. property under yeah. EA. Like, a, like a ton. Um, the studio that keeps making all those amazing games that we love, mm-hmm. like. Um, Uh, It takes two, Mm. and uh, the the Breakout, whatever it was called, um, yeah, that's EA. Mm. EA has some really, really great IP under its belt, and still some very artistic stuff. I would take their library over Ubisoft's in an instant.
1: Yeah, and it's one of those things that I don't know the the exact part— like words of the deal, mm-hmm. like how many of these studios under EA's banner would go. But I would think that that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to do like a major buyout right now because right now everybody's buying companies. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about how big the, the Activision Blizzard sale was. We've talked about how all these other sales were really big. Mm-hmm. But the thing of it is EA has the potential to be the literal biggest yeah. of all of them, like a price tag that would basically be, baffle the mind mm-hmm. if they were to actually sell at this point
0: yeah absolutely and that could be very interesting especially because ea has the same kind of reputation that ubisoft does that activision blizzard does they uh have not been so publicly and so largely like it's not non-existent but they haven't been as largely accused of all of the like play hide the rapist with the like right, sexual right. uh so the sexual assault and uh, misconduct allegations at work, but but I mean, it's there. It's a major studio, so of course it's there. Mostly they're known for having all of the same predatory business practices the gaming uh, industry has been into for the last like uh, 10 to 20 years or so. You yeah, know? a lot of
1: monetization. Yeah, a... loving
0: loot boxes, loving, I mean, what they did with, uh, you know, the, the, the tiered, you know, prices coming into video games all mm-hmm. the way up to like mm-hmm. 120 bucks. Two hundred and fifty for a collector. The copy paste format of their
1: sports games. Yeah, there's a lot of shady things there, and I mean that's that's one of the things is that some of these higher ups are look may look be looking at the writing on the walls and like, well, if Bobby Kotick's getting the fuck out, we might as well cash out while it's yeah.
0: Where's my golden parachute? I could use seventy billion dollars.
1: Yeah, it's going to be more than that. Yeah, it's going to be a lot more than that. During an interview, former Nintendo of America president Reggie Fesime said, quote, "I've worked in industries that have had high levels of unionization. This is not a good or bad thing. It is a situation that as a leader as an executive, you need to manage like any other challenge or issue or opportunity you face. As a leader, you need to look hard, and if this is what your employees want, you need to address to embrace it and move forward." This comes in on the heels of Raven Software, the QA testers for Blizzard, forming the first major video game union in the United States. Mm.
0: Yeah, wow. So Reggie basically quit all of his jobs and just said, I don't give a fuck anymore. Here's the truth. Yeah, well, which he, is nice.
1: He wrote a book that I'm currently listening to. Oh yeah, for my uh, what? What have you been doing this week? Okay, um, yeah. Reggie Fiedza wrote a great book. It's about his life and the stuff that he's done. It's broken into two parts. Um, the first part is a, a, of a chapter is always here's a section about my life, mm-hmm. and then the second part is what he calls the so what, mm-hmm. and the so what is actually management advice. So if you're a manager, uh, he, he's giving you management advice from the story that he just told you. That's pretty great. It's very fascinating. I don't actually. I'm not a dude who listens to books on management. I. Tend to find them very pretentious Mm -hmm. um and that's with me being a manager but no actually the stuff that he's been saying like in his book has been very useful knowledge that i've been actually taking into the workplace and like executing on it's been really cool and of course this takes us to our weekly segment that we really wish wasn't one blizzard are you okay
0: i wish blizzard a very happy bankruptcy
1: (laughs) First up, the National Labor Relations Board has determined that Activision Blizzard has illegally threatened its staff and enforced a social media policy that interfered with their rights as workers by threatening them, um, by, by putting these things into place that impacted all of their rights. Activision Blizzard has been asked to arrange a settlement. Should it fail to do so, the National Labor Relations Board will issue a complaint against the company. The policy, quote, Accuse Activision Blizzard in an unfair labor uh, practice filing of telling employees they can't discuss wages, hours, or working conditions, <laughs> I- enforcing an overly broad social media policy against workers who, quote, engaged in protected or concerned activity, i.e., their right to organize or discuss unionization, oh. and threatening surveilling such employees. This
0: is so incredibly illegal. Like, they, like, Like this isn't even just like this is a shady thing for companies to do. Everyone in America, every single worker, no matter what your work policy says, I'm looking at you, Walgreens and fucking TVS and everyone else. No matter what your work policy says, they cannot keep you from discussing how much money you make. Mm. They can't keep you from doing it at work in front of customers. You can discuss how much money you make with everyone around you. Talk to them about it and plan that's all okay plus if more than one of you goes to ask for a raise at the same time i just learned this they can't fire the both of you Mm -hmm. they cannot take action against two people if they collectively come to ask for a larger salary they can only do it if you go alone so just you know realize the power of your labor and carry it forward
1: there's a great uh, quote here in chat saying what good things has Blizzard done since they've merged with Activision uh, saying uh, Warhawk says you know I miss the old Blizzard uh, honestly man that's the reason that we keep having these conversations every week is that we were two people that were you know raised on Blizzard we played all the original Blizzard titles we oh, were yeah. we were fans of them I'm literally sitting in an Overwatch chair I, I always show that every week but I am um, yeah I mean we we rag on Activision Blizzard every week because we want better mm-hmm. yeah the people we want the better for the people who make the games that we love I would love That's what it is a
0: wonderful Diablo game I would love for Overwatch to be in a better situation than it is right now um, we just don't get to get nice things from this company anymore Yeah,
1: which is why we kind of hope that Microsoft would buy them so they could just purge the bad and we can get back to the good no kidding Yeah. So there is one more thing that we do need to talk about. Um, Finally, this week, a group of 12 Activision Blizzard employees have formed an anti-discrimination committee to uh, combat sex and gender discrimination at the company, according to a report by The Washington Post. They have gathered a list of demands that was submitted to Activision Blizzard CEO Bobby Kotick this week on May 24th. The list of demands is about four pages long and, quote, demands that workers should be able to meet with the equal opportunity coordinator on diversity and inclusion initiatives, as well as end undocumented chats with human resources and a restriction on retaliation against employees who file disputes. As well as the creation of a trans, uh, sorry, employee trans network, similar to how the company already has a woman's network in order to support employees before and after a transition, including software tools that wipe employees dead names from um, uh, employee records are also included in that list.
0: That's pretty badass, honestly.
1: I mean, they, cool. they all sound like pretty fucking reasonable demands to me, don't they?
0: Very, very reasonable and easy. Easy to implement and honestly would make me feel pretty great if they were there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, like literally Bobby Cock would just be like, yeah, that's good. Checkbox. Let's, yeah, let's do this. Like,
0: like why, why would you not?
1: Yeah. Is the question. That is the question. Yeah.
0: It's not like it's too expensive. It's a billion dollar company. They're mm-hmm. asking for nothing mm-hmm. and they would be quieter if you gave it to them. Anybody yeah. fighting this type of stuff—it would make
1: them look better to the people they're selling to. Yep. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. And yeah, it's just one of those things that one week, one week we will go through without a blizzard incident. We need a sign on our back wall. Oh yeah,
0: days, weeks weeks without a blizzard, blizzard incident. incident.
1: Like that's what we need to have hanging up at all times. Yeah. Like I want to put some like fancy artwork on the wall for everybody, but at this point we just need a days without a blizzard incident sign yeah, and just Yeah, we'll, go with we'll that. mark
0: up some poster board <laughs> like we're, you know, fifth graders doing a science project and just have little cards.
1: Yeah, it'll be great. All right. That is everything we have for the news this week, but stick with us. And on the other side, we're going to be talking about Dr strange of the multiverse of madness in the boss room
0: it'll be easy to make this sign we'll only need the number one really for the card.
1: <laughs>
0: boss room
1: hey everyone welcome to the boss room our main discussion for the week sometimes related to the news sometimes not this week we are jumping into the multiverse of madness there will be spoilers ahead and we're just letting you know that now so with all that out of the way let's dive right in so we saw a movie
0: We saw a movie We did it It was hard It, it, it was hard to get tickets It was man. hard to get tickets Yeah the movie. We, we ended up seeing it In the middle of the week Yep uh, Like on a Wednesday afternoon Uh huh Yeah We that didn't was even have The get... full movie crew there I had to take the other half Of the movie crew later
1: Yeah That's how that's how packed Getting to this movie was Yeah And it, we were like Three weeks Past the movie being out At that oh, point Oh yeah We
0: were we were going into mm-hmm. Weekend three Yeah uh, By the time we got to like Like yeah Coordinate a, a time to see it because the weekend was already untenable.
1: Yeah. Like, every time we would check Alamo Draft House, it was just like, they're all packed. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Like, it was ridiculous. So, did the movie to you hold up to the fact that it was sold out at every show? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Like, like we're going to get into it more, but yeah, the movie held up. I did not know what to expect from this movie. Right. Um I hadn't, Sam Raimi hadn't made a movie in a really long time. Mm -hmm. He'd done some TV shows that I I did here and there, became tired of. I didn't know what Sam Raimi I was getting. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how much Marvel I was getting. I didn't know how creative he was going to be able to be. And Doctor Strange, for me, is not my favorite character. His movies are more of a, oh, this is fun, than a, oh, my God, I need to go see this. Right. The movie had a lot working against it, but yes, I loved every second of it
1: was the the divisive factor that I've heard online. Mm-hmm. People that either loved it or hated it pretty much lived and died whether or not they loved early Sam Raimi. Mm-hmm. If you love old stuff like Evil Dead and Army of Darkness, you're going to love Multiverse of Madness. Oh, if yeah. that kind of shit isn't your jam, you probably walked away from it going like, well, that wasn't very good. Mm-hmm. But I was a Sam Raimi kid growing up. Oh, so yeah. I loved it. And, and, the, and the Sam Raimi of it all... Is such a big deal because even if you never told me who directed this movie, <laughs> I wouldn't know who directed it in the first like thirty minutes. Correct. I could be like, I'd, yeah. I'd be like, this is a generic Marvel film. Mm-hmm. Anybody could have directed this, and then the Sam Raimi of it kicks in. Yeah, and I'm like, that, I would have known. I would have known from that moment the first. Into the door shot. Oh yeah! The first like the first time
0: the camera itself hides behind a set of stairs. Yeah. to like hide you from the action going on in camera.
1: <laughs> yeah, all of it just it lives and breathes Sam Raimi, mm-hmm. and that's what I really love about this movie because I feel like in a time where it's so easy for people to easily criticize Marvel movies for basically looking and acting and being the same. Mm -hmm. This movie doesn't do those things. Yeah. It, it stays unconventional. And it's not like the concept of the multiverse is a new thing to us. This oh, yeah. is What Phase 4 has literally been about is mm-hmm. the multiverse. But this movie felt like the accumulation of all of that and in a very bombastic and silly and dark, like darker than most Marvel films get kind of way. Oh, yeah. And it's not like something in the rain Batman, but it's like, you know, like it's still like... Pretty fucking bad. Yeah,
0: yeah. This movie, um, it went a little harder than most Marvel movies go. Even like the Russo Brothers ones. This movie really went into it with the gore, with the spooks. There's some jump scares in there. Mm. You know, they're baby jump scares, but they're still jump scares. That's something we get in Marvel that isn't accompanied by a joke usually. You know, we get a little bit of body horror. We get all kinds of things. In this movie, and, uh, yeah, I would say, like, if I had to split it, it was definitely more of a Sam Raimi movie than it was even a Marvel movie. Yep. Because we got Doctor Strange, but there was very, very little team-up until we get to the end, and it's with characters we don't know. You know, it's great. Um Uh, Yeah, it was mostly Sam Raimi, like driving the plot, driving when things are funny, when things are scary, Mm -hmm. what we're dealing with and what kind of a threat it is. And it was all so just wonderfully done for me. Like like this movie was for me. Yeah. Like absolutely. I was actually
1: really surprised that we didn't have to do as much homework as we thought that we did to go into this movie. Right. The trailers really made it look like this is a movie where you needed to watch one division and you mm-hmm. need to watch what if, and maybe a couple other things to kind of slip them in there, but really it was like one uh, division, but we kind of cover that in the first 30 minutes. Also, mm-hmm. we kind of like just kind of really briefly go, all right, audience, like this is what happened in one division. It was really fucked up. You should probably watch one division. It's fucking brilliant. Um, but, like, other than that, like, I really thought What If was going to be a bigger part of it. It wasn't. Yeah, no. Um, it
0: was a very, very small part.
1: Yeah, you wouldn't have to really know who Captain Carter was. You know, you didn't have to have What If for that, right? No, no, right? you
0: would just get it. And if you saw the thing, you'd be like, oh, she's here too, so this happens a bunch. And, like, yeah. it's cool. Yeah. You know, it's neat.
1: Um, so yeah, I mean, there was a lot to multiverse of madness, but one of the things that I really wanted to talk about is I wanted to talk about the queen herself. I want to talk about Mm. Elizabeth Olsen. I want to talk about Wanda Maximoff, the bad guy of our movie who by all accounts didn't believe that she's a bad guy. Yeah,
0: yeah, no, this is, um... Man, that character Elizabeth Olsen, man, just like yeah. strapping that acting role right on mm-hmm. and just chewing it up and loving every second of it, playing the emotions like tight and strong and like angry, but the way that like a mom is angry, yeah, a mom who someone took their kids and she wants them back, mm-hmm. and no matter how much that isn't the situation, that's how she feels, and now she's. Practically all-powerful.
1: There was a tweet that I saw today that was like somebody going, you know, Wanda Maximoff being mad about losing her kids in Doctor Strange is the equivalent of me going on a murderous rampage because my Sims died. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? True. Yeah. But I don't care because I fucking watched WandaVision and I was on that emotional journey with her and I want her to find her kids.
0: Well, uh, uh- Look, like I get what they're trying to say, and it's very funny. But if you raised your sim from a baby and hugged your sim and smelled right. his little baby head and, you know, tucked it in every night and made all of its meals and sent it to school mm. and it laughed at your jokes and it loved when you made ice cream a certain way, you might be pretty upset when it just disappeared. Yeah. And you might try and get it back. And if you had the power to do that, you might do it.
1: Yeah. There's another question that's been asked around the internet and I'm curious about your opinion about this we actually haven't discussed this outside of the show. Okay. There is the question of where vision, question mark.
0: Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um the movie didn't 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 d- decided it was not important and you know what it's not i'm i'm pretty happy with that i'm i'm happy that it's not he would have complicated the movie to a degree that is unremarkable yeah. and he would have provided a simple solution of just talking Wanda down right and being like Maybe stop killing people. Why are you such a monster?
1: Also, currently, Vision is on his his own vision quest, to put it bluntly. Mm -hmm. He is still trying to figure out who he is as a person, having confronted his other self Mm -hmm. and not having the memories of his past life with Wanda. There's a very deep, complicated story that should probably be touched on at some point, and I'm I'm sure the MCU will. But he's not in a place where he would have just shown up to help her, just to help her in a situation like this. It would have just been.
0: Right. And let's not forget, like, most of this happens in Comeratage and then in, like, somewhere no one knows about right can get to. Yeah. And, like, not even wizards can fly up there. Yeah. Like, shit like that, you know? So it's not like they were crashing through buildings and they were all over the news. Yeah. Um, but, but the There's thing a- about Vision is I remember thinking in the movie, I miss Vision. I want to know what's going on with his story. And when the movie was over, I remember thinking, I'm really glad he wasn't in this.
1: Right. One of the things I was really excited about or really happy about when we watched Elizabeth Olsen's uh, WandaVision, or sorry, Wanda's vision. But, sorry, now I'm all mixed up like five different things. Um, watching her entire journey through this mm-hmm. is her going back to WandaVision and essentially confronting herself as a part of of the healing and grieving process because Mm -hmm. WandaVision, if you haven't seen it is about trauma and unhealthy ways to cope with your trauma. And now we have a situation in the movie where Wanda has to confront herself literally and say, what you are doing is not okay. Mm -hmm. She has to allow herself and explain to herself that she needs to move on and heal. There, there are fucking layers here, oh, yeah. my guy. Like oh, it yeah, is... no. the,
0: there's a scene, and this is why, and, and I, I loved the same thing in Moon Knight. But there's a scene in um, in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Uh, tw- you know, when she really does have to confront this version of her in the multiverse. It actually does have the coping mechanism she invented for herself to make herself feel better after mm-hmm. a tragedy. And that's all she wants in the entire world. And she gets to actually speak with the person who has that. That is her. And just watching the interaction between the two of them and the almost instant empathy between mm-hmm. the two of them after they were so hell-bent on one protecting their child and the other killing and replacing the other. Yeah, There's just this understanding there of like, man, yeah, you must be going through a lot even though you just tried to kill me. I, I promise you these kids are taken care of. I mm-hmm. promise you they're loved. They're just not yours. Yeah. And, yeah, it's, it's some of the best acting I've ever seen her do. And we're going to get more, I hope, because, yeah, she's good and she needs to be in a lot more of everything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, can't can't trust that enough. Uh, Elizabeth Olsen knocked it out of the park in this.
1: Let's talk about America Chavez.
0: America Chavez. That was out of nowhere.
1: Out like, of nowhere. Yeah, like I don't.
0: I didn't know who America Chavez was before this. one. I saw the trailer, because she's
1: a Puerto Rican. What yes, she, or, I, I, or Dominican. Jim Dominican. She might. Yes. I apologize. Yeah, I no, no. What you I, I,
0: I, I, yeah, I, I should know based on the flag on the 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 pride flag and the yeah. lapel pen is in the shape of the country she's from and I just can't remember which flag it
1: yeah. is. you knew it at the time we were in the theater. You said it immediately.
0: I did, and then and now I'm confused because people keep confusing it. And now I'm not sure. Yeah, but anyway, I'll, I'll look it up here in a second. But anyway, yeah, the first time I saw her in the trailer because of the whole star thing yeah. tag going on. I, I thought she was um, going to be uh, uh, Miss Marvel. Right. You know, um, but no, it, it's a completely different character mm-hmm. out of nowhere that has the world's most ex machina power of all time. Absolutely. Yeah. It's literally I I, I, I punch a hole and I pull out what I need. Yep. the, the and, and that's or, or we go somewhere we need to go. Mm-hmm. And yeah, her whole arc was amazing because it's. Something that isn't overused and something clearly defined right at the beginning is rare. Mm -hmm. And the way that you deal with a lot of the things in the story that are like ultimately powerful is that there's only one or they just go away, which I I was appreciative of. Mm -hmm. Because the less complex shit we add to the MCU going forward is
1: probably Right. That was a big big plot point in the movie, right, where it was like, you know— people who have lives in other multiverses can dream. She does mm-hmm. not dream. Right. Ergo, she is the only one of herself.
0: Exactly. So you can't, there, yeah, there aren't a ton of her that can just open doors willy-nilly. Right. Also, the power that Wanda drew on to make herself, you know, the ultimate uh, witch Hmm. Um, she basically destroyed that in every multiverse, so there's not hmm. like, uh, oh, you know, Thanos. I resurrected Thanos, and he has the dark hold. and he has one of the
1: gems, you right? Know? Right? And
0: yeah, we we don't just like do power escalation battles every six years because let's yeah. not do that. Let's let's be more creative than that. Yeah, but. Um, yeah. Speaking
1: yeah. of The Dark Hall. Speaking of. Yeah. Had to bring that up real quick because if you didn't know this was a fucking Sam Raimi movie, that sure as fuck was the Necronomicon we oh, saw, yeah. Like, The,
0: like the Dark was a book in, like, in, in, the, in the show, right? In One Division.
1: It was but also it it an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as well, but it looked nothing like that.
0: Oh, okay. That's probably why I don't remember it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't paying attention to any of the plot in Agents it, of it S.H.I.E.L.D.
1: It was way late, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.
0: Okay. But, yeah, there was. Um, uh, yeah, when you get actually into the movie and you have this, like, floating book that's, like, emanating power and is, like, monstrously evil and looks a little bit like it's bound in flesh of some kind. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Looks yeah. very familiar. It was a very necronomicon e book, you know, yeah. in a great way. Um, talking about, like, the Raimi experience of it all and what, like, really made me love it. There's... Like, we really have to talk about, like, like his editing and the cinematography a little sure, bit. yeah. Because, like you said earlier, like, you could just watch the camera and you know this is a Raimi. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I noticed was that even in a lot of the action scenes, the camera moved so much more than it usually does. They were very creative with the angles they did things at. They were very creative with the action that they did. And yeah, even when just talking or in certain situations, the camera just moved, man. It was flying around. Yeah. It was, you know, being a part of the action in that very rainy kind of way. And I loved it. You mm-hmm. know, it was just so well done. The way that the movie is edited makes me really want to talk about the music.
1: <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. Go that, for it.
0: That Danny Elfman score.
1: Ooh, boy.
0: That Danny Ooh, Elfman boy. score is literally its own character in the movie. Mm -hmm. I swear to God, you're going to watch the movie a second time, which I've done, and you're going to realize that the actual soundtrack is commenting on what's happening on screen all the time. And sometimes it's really funny, and uh, sometimes it's poignant, and sometimes it's a little scary, but it's just always there. It's Mm -hmm. a constant companion throughout the thing, and it's kind of just subtly hinting at what you're looking at. My favorite example, and the one I'm sure most people who are listening to this noticed... Was when Professor Charles Xavier comes on screen mm-hmm. in the big yellow chair, mm-hmm. you know, just being Patrick Stewart, mm-hmm. you know, all nearly 90 years of Patrick Stewart and uh, 90 glorious years. Absolutely. Of Patrick the most glorious of years. And he goes on and they decide to play a very short snippet of the theme song from the X-Men cartoon from the 90s Yep, as he hovers onto the scene. Mm hmm. And I was absolutely giddy. Yeah. I was just like so joyful in that moment. They, they, they do little things like that. They're subtle little jokes literally all the time, that it's just a part of the soundtrack. Mm. The movie, keep, the, the, the music and the soundtrack keep you in the movie in a way that most Marvel movies do not do at yeah. all. And uh, yeah, let's. Let's have more personality in our soundtracks.
1: So that actually takes me to my next point that I wanted to talk about, which was guest appearances. Mm -hmm. So of course we had our Charles Xavier, right? Uh Uh, We had our, uh, our appearance of black bolt from the inhumans, the same black bolt from From the the TV show. Yeah.
0: No. And you know what? Anson Mount is an incredible actor and I'm glad he's there. Of all of the characters that we got, Mm -hmm. Um, Not that I don't love Maria Rambeau, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And that actress is wonderful, and she absolutely deserves a run at Captain Marvel. Mm -hmm. Not that I didn't love Agent Carter. Mm -hmm. I was very happy to see Charles Xavier. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know...
1: How'd you feel about Mr. Fantastic? Mr. Though? Fantastic.
0: I don't know how to feel about it. I honestly still don't know how to feel about it. It was a it. fan casting. What. It was a fan casting and it was certainly not bad. Yeah. It certainly wasn't John bad. John
1: Kaczynski was like the number one pick for that.
0: It was. I did. And he had like three lines. Yeah. So, you know, I maybe didn't get smartest man in the world from yeah. anything in his movie and anything he did in the movie. But I will say he had by far the best death. Yeah. Oh, and that's man. considering
1: Black Bolt was very impressive.
0: Oh yeah, but Black Bolt, by far, of any of the characters in that in the Illuminati pantheon, mm-hmm. there, Black Bolt's my favorite. Yeah. Oh yeah, Black Bolt's my favorite. That that was too much.
1: What me. What happened to him was just oh, like. Oh yeah. yeah
0: that that was that was that felt like Raimi. That all of those kills were just so brutal in the mm-hmm. best way. Those all really felt like like kills. There's something
1: that a lot of YouTubers have said, um, several that I've seen, and that's that when Black Bolt comes out in his outfit it almost feels like they're making up for the fact that the TV show outfit was so bad by like really like really overdoing it with him like we're gonna make Black Bolt look
0: good yeah we're going to put a tuning fork in his head. Yeah, We're going to give him yeah. like, like the thing. angles, like the, yeah. the, the black suit. Oh, yeah.
1: yeah. John Krasinski. I mean, it was a fan cast. It was cool to see yeah. it there. And, 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 and look, guys, I please don't bring out the pitchforks for this one. I just really don't want to see him as Mr. Fantastic.
0: No, there's no point anymore. I mean, yeah. like, he's... W-
1: I would I rather see, like, raul Coley get it. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Like, 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 we probably have to start him young anyway because, like, you can't just have the smartest guy in the world show up. And, everyone, and he's like 40, and everyone's right. like, what the fuck have you been doing? Yeah. Where were you 10 years ago, bro?
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, the guest appearances were all great. Of course, one of, the, great. one of the ones that we haven't mentioned yet is, obviously, this is a Sam Raimi uh, movie, which means Bruce Campbell will show up at Bruce some point. Bruce Campbell will show
0: up, and someone will humiliate him by spilling something on him. Yep. Yep. That, it was that's great. because it's a Sam Raimi movie. Yeah. And, yeah, Bruce Campbell will do something great. And he had... By far the best end credits the best after credits scene yep. of every Marvel movie.
1: Yep, it was fantastic. So we have to ask the question because we're comparing multiverse movies. No, we're not gonna talk about everything once this no, does not count. There, no. Um no, there's no comparison. This and Spider Man Far From Home. Mm, okay. Which did you prefer?
0: Um oh that's tough. That's tough.
1: It is a Dang. tough question.
0: It's it is it, it, it's it's hard because it feels look, very the, the Spider-Man one goes back to like deep parts of my childhood. Mm-hmm. Like I'm pretty sure like that those first two Spider-Man movies were some of the first movies I owned on DVD. You know, like I loved those characters. That being mm-hmm. said, Multiverse was made better like it just was. Yeah. Like that movie more than any of them makes me understand what Scorsese is talking about when he talks about theme park rides as movies. Yeah. Like, yeah, uh, uh, No Way Home was just felt like, you know, like dip after rise after dip after Mm. rise, and it was well done, and it was beautiful, and it was emotionally catching. There was lots of great stuff all over it, and I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, This movie, while I may have cared for the characters slightly less I just had more fun in mm-hmm. because of the Sam Raimi of it all because there was so much tongue in cheek all mm-hmm. the time. You felt where the movie was going when it went somewhere, and you just like here's the got really excited
1: for me about the multiverse of madness. Mm-hmm. And maybe some people will disagree. Hear me out on the full statement before, okay. before you chime in. Doctor Strange arc in this movie was very, very simple. It's actually an arc that we've already talked about previously in What If, which is how do you cope with the loss, not in a death sense in this situation, but in the you will never get to have her sense of the woman that you love. Right. And his arc is learning to come to terms with that. And because his arc is so simple and so it still has a very deep emotional resonance to it. But by the end of it, you realize he comes out a healthier person Mm -hmm. that because his arc is so simple, it allows all the other stars of the movie a chance to shine.
0: That is true. And we did have a lot. I mean, the, the movie. Yeah, you're absolutely right. We got not a lot from Dr. Strange outside of, okay, I've got something for this. Hang on. What you got from all the other characters, from Wanda, from America, from Wong. Mm. You know, like, I love Wong's arc. In the there.
1: Sorcerer Supreme.
0: The Sorcerer Supreme. You know, it's customary to bow.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Just saying. Yep. Um, he gets an entire arc, and Steven learns to fucking respect the guy, which he has deserved since he got there.
1: Wong deserves his own movie, goddammit. Wong it. does
0: deserve his own movie. And put Shang-Chi in it for fun. And Aquafina. Let's go. Right? Let's do it. Fuck yeah. And, and Michelle, yo. Put her in. Everything. everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, but. Yes. A lot of the other characters got time to shine because Doctor Strange's arc was so simple and Mm. maybe even a little obvious. But that didn't mean anything he did in the movie was obvious. The things he did in the movie were fun. Mm. And that's what kind of brings the whole thing together. That's what makes this movie so interesting is that Doctor Strange is just kind of the glue while we're watching everything around him and hoping Mm. he has a solution for this.
1: I, you know, I don't want to get too deep and personal and philosophical with this bullshit. The the movie kind of... Stephen's arc kind of spoke to me a little bit, only because I find myself in a time in my life where a lot of the people that I know and love and care about are moving forward with their lives. Mm-hmm. And so... It was really this kind of like, no, it's time to let go of the past and Mm -hmm. really press forward and celebrate their happiness and the things that they're accomplishing. Mm -hmm. That meant something to me. And I know that not everybody would have the same emotional arc that I did, Mm -hmm. but I did take something away from that movie. And I was like, yeah, you're right. It's time for all of us to heal and really celebrate each other. And I was down with that. Absolutely.
0: There's this theme in the movie where people keep over and over again asking uh, Dr. Strange if he's happy. Mm-hmm. And the people who know him, you know, yeah. and he, he always says yes. And it, you can always immediately tell that it's either a lie or he's not sure. Mm. And when he asks Wong, uh, you know, Wong doesn't say yes. Wong says, well, that's kind of a strange question. Mm-hmm. Uh, no no pun intended. Mm-hmm. But it's, um, I mean, I don't know. life is hard. Yeah. But in the hardness, we find ways to move forward and grow. And mm-hmm. it's like, and that's why you're the Sorcerer Supreme Wong. Thank mm-hmm. you.
1: And and it was that that question, the are you happy mm-hmm. is something that I felt like I've answered from my friends so much recently where I really haven't known if I was. But I felt like, yes, is the answer you're supposed to get. Right. So, like, yeah, it, it, it hit me. Mm-hmm. You know, it hit me in those feelings. And and I think that's the beauty of movies. Yeah, you can say on one hand, yeah, it's a silly superhero film. But when conversations, meaningful conversations like that happen on screen and you see them, it's it's. To go back to Guardians of the Galaxy, and this is a more extreme example, mm-hmm. you know, when Yandu says the line, you know, he may have been your father, but he wasn't your daddy. Mm-hmm. That was a line that directly resonated to me because I did not know my biological father, but my dad is my dad and mm-hmm. I would never deny him that. Yeah. And so, yeah, you could say on the surface, yeah, it's just a silly Marvel movie, but it's lines that are so eloquently written like that, that... You hold on to, and they stay with you far after the movie's over with.
0: Yeah, and I love the idea of not confusing uh, both you and, for Doctor Strange, um, happiness with success, right? Right. Because you may be very successful. Doctor Strange saved the fucking universe Mm -hmm. slash multiverse, you know, but he did lose a lot of people. He lost a lot of friends. He did... Sacrificed sacrifice five years of his life. He did lose Christine and he probably right. knew he was going to do it too. Mm-hmm. But he saved everybody and that didn't make him happy because how could it possibly? Right. But, uh, he, and he's not the Sorcerer Supreme. Mm-hmm. He lost that. And Wong's not going anywhere. Wong's going to live forever. Mm-hmm. So like he's never going to be the Sorcerer Supreme. And I hope he doesn't. Don't you fucking kill Wong. <laughs> um, but you know, that l- him spending the movie learning to still be of service and to do the right thing. And to accept his place and learn to like move on with it is a pretty great arc for the character that we need at the beginning of the movie.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I think when it comes down to the question of is this better than Far From Home, it's hard to tell because they tell us different stories. Mm -hmm. One of these plays to straight up our nostalgia, our childhood. Mm -hmm. It asks us to take our childhood from different movies and bring them all together and give them a big hug. And that feels good.
0: It does. It really does.
1: But something like, you know, the Multiverse of Madness says even in the the horrors of the world Mm -hmm. we can find comfort in the people around us um that we can look to people that are different whether that be from dimension or race or whatever Mm -hmm. and we can find ways to make it work and sometimes the silliest solutions are the best solutions and sometimes a person who's hurting and lashing out is the person who needs our help the most Mm -hmm. and that's when wanda came full circle
0: yeah absolutely that's uh then that's the best part is the, the the villain that you know you you actually feel for the yeah. the, the villain that that was a, that was the miracle with Thanos right like like the, the villain who you're like huh yeah dude good job. Like I fucking and by the way, I'm
1: just calling it right now. Wanda's not dead. There was a tiny explosion that happened, like okay. a, red, a red explosion that happened when all the rocks fell in. She's the fuck out of there. You
0: don't kill main characters by dropping rocks on them off screen. That's yep. just, people don't die That's that respectful. way. That's filmic language. I was honestly like, as soon as they got Maria Rambo's Captain Marvel with it, I was like, oh, she's getting up. Yeah. Of course she's getting up. Like the other Captain Marvel dove through Thanos' starship for funsies before joining the battle. Yeah. Like, she she wasn't killed by a large statue, y'all.
1: Yeah. So... As we start to wind this thing down, I know that we've had a lot of t- things that we've talked about. We've been very introspective about this movie. What were your overall thoughts just when you think about this movie? You've seen it twice. I've, I've seen only it twice. seen it once. Like, What do you think about? What What are your takeaways from this movie?
0: My takeaways are it was even better the second time, which isn't easy for movies to do, especially Marvel movies, especially superhero movies. Um, there was a lot to catch. There, There, there was a lot to... Notice and like realize what they were alluding to with the beginning of the movie, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but even having just seen it the first time, I mean, overall thoughts were, um, Sam Raimi is an excellent director and always has been, but a mm-hmm. truly excellent director of superhero films. He yep. gets it, he absolutely fucking gets it. And some people might say, maybe even some younger people might say that. And the way that he gets it might be for an older generation. But honestly, like, it's just classic stuff. Mm -hmm. And if they liked it at all, if there are any Zoomers at all anywhere who listen to us, or maybe, you know, you have some kids or something like that. And 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 if they enjoyed this movie, if they were just old enough to watch this movie, maybe maybe show them some other Sam Raimi movies. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's time for like uh an Army of Darkness depending on their age. Evil Dead's a little bit more mature than that. But you know, there's all kinds of A lot of, of people did the get genre. their start
1: with Army of Darkness. Yes. Yeah,
0: they yeah, they did. I did. Yeah. I did. That was the first one I saw.
1: So, I mean, it's not, it's not a bad gateway drug.
0: No, not at all, especially for like a 14, 15 year old, you know, who, you know, you don't want to show any weird tree stuff to. But right. you can watch them, you know, you can watch Bruce Campbell talk about his boomstick and, yeah. you know, and have a chainsaw for an arm. That's dope. Yep. It's a good movie. But yeah, that, that's what I would say. I mean, what I came away with is Sam Raimi is a truly excellent director of these films. And if they do another Doctor Strange movie, I think it's just his. Yeah. Like, like I think it's his the way that Taika has Thor, mm-hmm. you know, and the way that um, James Gunn has the way Guardians. That James Gunn has Guardians, you know, yeah. the, the, that's theirs. Yeah. And why would we have anyone else do it? I think Sam Raimi just made himself one of those.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for me, I mean, I've already let a lot of my feelings out about this movie. It was very deep, it was very personal, it was very fun. Uh, it was a roller coaster. It was uh, something that made me smile the whole time. If a movie makes me smile the whole way through it, then that's a movie that I'm going to love and mm-hmm. this was one of those movies um, you, I was almost jealous because you went and saw it a second time it's like man I want to, I want to watch it again right now just while we're talking about Dude, it yeah. I,
0: I'm sure it'll be on streaming here within a month or so yeah. and yeah we'll, we'll do a watch party yeah, yeah. just
1: and just watch it again there's just yeah. there are so many things to take away from it and it was one of those movies that I was so happy to see so many of the YouTube creators that I follow like get online immediately afterwards and be like bro we need to talk about this fucking movie mm-hmm. like it, it was fantastic all the conversations about it were great even the people that seemed to be a bit harsh about it like I said the hardest criticism was I don't like Sam Raimi so maybe, yeah. maybe not
0: that was yeah I, I, I saw some uh, some younger people tweets about how like the transitions were like wacky to almost comical and mm. I'm just like that's that's Sam Raimi yeah he's doing that on purpose it wasn't this wasn't a a dereliction of editing duty by someone trying to leave early for the day that was there on purpose
1: yeah All right, well, that's everything we have for the show this week. Don't forget that you can head over to patreon.com slash gnggcast to become a patron of our show. You can head over to facebook.com slash gnggcast where you can chat with us, as well as at gnggcast on Twitter. Special thanks to all of our patrons for keeping the lights on around here. We really do appreciate you. And until next time, for Hector, this is James.
0: And for James, this is Hector.
1: Everyone, good night.
0: And good game.